All right, guys, how's it going? <laughs> cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just start with prayer because I want to get us out of here in a timely manner, and I will need Jesus for that. So, God, we just thank you so much tonight for what you want to do. Um, I just ask that we can all just get out of our own way enough to just follow after you tonight. Um, God, I just ask that you're in my words and that you just uh, give me what to say. And we just thank you for the way you're going to open up hearts and minds tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we are continuing in our mindset series. How many people were here last week for victorious mindsets? I heard that on Cast. It was rad. Um, so I wanted to just open with this verse out of 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So I just wanted to open actually with like a declaration. Can we just repeat after me? We have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Okay, so we should act like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Tonight, I was thinking about this message. We're going to be talking about the servant mindset. Um, and I, 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 like when I was thinking about it and praying about it, I'm like, I don't know how to preach this without coming off kind of aggressive. <laughs> like, I'm like, how do, how do I do this without, without getting too intense about it? You know? um, because I was thinking about it, I'm like, the message is so simple. It's just like, Jesus served, we should serve. Why aren't we serving? <laughs> or we are serving, but we can serve more you know? Um, and it's easy to get busy. It's easy to do all of these things. Um, and so before I go any further, um, I just want to encourage us cause I was thinking about this and I'm like, man, I think I need to serve more. And then I got all offended and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serving enough. No, I'm doing fine. Um, and I realized that service is one of those things that we can easily get offended by, you know, because to say that, you know, hey, we might need to serve more is to say, hey, we're not really doing enough right now. Um, and that could make us kind of freak out. Um, <laughs> but why it's so cool that we have the mind of Christ is that his whole life was service. <laughs> he laid his whole life out. That doesn't mean, when I say we just serve with our whole lives, that doesn't mean every single day we're on the street catering to the homeless, although that's awesome and a great way to serve. It means we serve in our communities. We serve in the jobs that we're at. We serve at the supermarket and every, every little interaction we have. We serve in our families. We serve just everywhere we go. You know, we can do it because Jesus did it in his spirits inside of us as believers. Um, and so I want to just encourage us um, to try not to be offended. <laughs> because if our minds are offended, this message will never reach our heart. And if we don't have the heart of service, we miss the whole thing. Um, and that's kind of one of the things he was teaching me this week, is it's not just about a mind sh mindset and a mind shift, it's about a heart shift. Um, because service isn't just about what we will to do, it's about an overflow of our heart. Um, so I wanted to encourage you with that. Let's not get offended up here before it ever gets to our hearts. Um, so anyway, I actually wanted to kind of start um, where with a story, actually. Um, this whole week I prayed about it. I'm like, what's a good story I can share? I love sharing stories. And I couldn't think of a single one of my own. Um, I couldn't think of it at all. And it, it bothered me all week. I was at all these revival conferences. The anointing was strong. The spirit was there. And I'm like, oh, he's going to breathe on something nothing all week. And I was like, okay, well maybe I won't share a story. And then today at work, I just got blasted. Um, and so the story I want to share is actually, um, the first time I learned anything about service at all. Um, and it's actually a story about my dad. Um, cause here's the thing. I, I said the little sinner's prayer. I invited Jesus into my heart when I was about five years old right? And that was great. Um, but I didn't read his book. <laughs> I didn't hear really about his life much um, for a couple years. You know, I knew the basics. He died for me. He died to set me free. He came back. 
praise the Lord, I believe I got salvation. It was awesome. But it was so different than actually getting to know him. It was so different than actually reading about these things he had done, you know, and how he worked and how all that stuff. Um, so when I first learned about kind of what service looked like, I was about seven years old, right? Um, and I learned it from my dad. You know, growing up, my dad always worked full time, you know, maybe like a lot of your dads. Um, what that meant was when you're like a little kid, you know, three, four, before you have school, before you have anything, you're usually at your house or at the babysitter or something like that, you know? Um, and I remember just thinking there was those days where it's like, well, where's dad, you know? <laughs> and the babysitter or my mom, whoever was around, would just be like, oh, he's working, you know? Um, and I remember that was kind of a bummer because I'm like, oh, man, dad's not here, you know? Um, but what was really cool is I remember like, it was one of those things where I, I always did this. And then when my younger brother came along, he did it as well, where when we would hear his car pull up, we would just run to the door and we would just wait for him for that moment. He opened the door, you know? And like, I just remember when I was really young and before I even really understood what this meant totally, I remember the second he'd open the door and there would be that moment where he just looked exhausted. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, truly exhausted, like beat, tired, like he hadn't slept in a week and a half kind of tired, you know? And I remember that would be the first thing I'd see right when that door opened, because he didn't know we were standing right in front of him. <laughs> but then that would shift, and he would just be the most joy-filled, excited. He'd like pick me and my brother up, throw us around, play with us, wrestle. He would like chase us around the house, everything, you know? And it was like, all of a sudden, he wasn't tired at all. He was just, he would just play with us. You know, I remember we'd have like family dinners and then he'd like still get up and do the dishes or like whatever needed to be done, you know? And then I remember at night he'd play with us some more or he'd watch TV with us or he'd play Legos. I remember he, he always like uh, tucked me and my brother into bed and like read us bedtime stories, you know? And why I love that is because he always was present when he was home, you know? Um, but there were times when he was away, you know? And it's like, well, what do you do? Like what happens? And I remember talking to my mom and just being, I was like six or seven and just asked my mom, like, why is dad gone so much? You know, like, why isn't he here? You know? <laughs> and I remember him, her saying just like, he's doing this so that we can eat. <laughs> he needs to provide for us. You know? Um, I remember being like, okay. And then I remember asking her and my dad, like, Hey, what does dad do? Like, what does he do? He's like, Oh, he's a manager. Well, what does that mean? He runs a whole store. It's like, he's the boss. He's the, he's the top guy. My dad at this time, he worked at Albertsons and he was like a general store manager, right? So he was like the main boss of that store. But how they described it to me is like, your dad's the boss. Like he's top of the chain. He like that whole store. It's his, you know what I mean? Like, like he, he controls all of it. And then my dad kind of played into it. He's like, yeah, I'm the boss. Like everyone there is just kind of under me, you know? Um, I remember being like, dang, my dad's the boss. Like, this is awesome, you know? And we drive by his store, and it's this gigantic store. You know, I'm like a five, six-year-old. This store is huge, you know? I got lost in so many grocery stores because they're just gigantic. I'd be like, dad, are you in this one too? No, I'm totally lost. Um, but anyway, he was the boss. Um, and I remember um, I grew up, uh, we went to Tri-City Christian, Taylor and myself, and a couple other people probably struggling around. Oh, yeah, we got some people. Um, go Eagles, yeah. <laughs> But I remember in second grade, we had a field trip to Albertsons, right? I didn't realize because we were kind of low rent. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I had no idea. Um, but I guess they were looking for a field trip that like didn't cost a lot. And I guess my dad, my dad volunteered like, hey, you guys can come to my store. You can see what a grocery store looks like. I'll take you behind the scenes. Um, 
And I'd never really had that much, you know? And so I remember like the day we, we drove over there, right? And I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my dad's here. He's the boss. Like, he's probably going to have like, he probably has like a throne here somewhere. Like, I bet it's, you know what I mean? Like, like people are like kissing his ring, you know? Like, I like, I know I was like five or six, but I was still kind of, kind of weird. And I remember just like, <laughs> I remember like having all these expectations and the whole bus ride over, I just told all my little friends like, guys, Guys, my dad's here, and he's the boss. Just wait till you see it. Just wait till you see what it looks like. Just wait. He's going to take us to his office. It's going to be huge. He is large and in charge, or, you know, some way a seven-year-old would say kind of these same ideas. Um, and anyway, we get there, right? <laughs> we get there, and everyone's like, where's your dad? I'm like, I don't know. He's probably in his office. You know, he doesn't have time to deal with all of these people, you know, like, like, like you guys are seeing what everyone sees at a grocery store. He's probably behind the scenes, like ruling and reigning somewhere. Um, but then I remember someone just saying like, Hey, isn't that your dad back there? And I literally watched my dad. Someone had dropped just this huge box of stuff, like this huge box of stuff all over the place. Right. And my dad, he, he was in like dress clothes, right? He was the manager and all that stuff. And I remember just seeing him like, picking up everything that had fallen out of the box and just doing it, you know? And, like, there was a customer that, I guess, knocked it all over, and she was, like, so embarrassed. And I just saw him, like, looking at her and just being like, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. And he just picked everything up. He lifts this huge box, crazy heavy, and he, like, moves it away. And then as he's walking away down the aisle, someone else is like, oh, hey, sir, do you have, like, where's the cinnamon? Where's the cinnamon? And I see him just put the box down and look at her and be like, hey, it's okay. It's actually right down this aisle. We have a couple different kinds. And he's doing all this stuff. Then he picks the box back up again, keeps walking, does all this stuff. And, like, he, people keep interrupting him. And he keeps setting down the box and just keeps helping them out and then picks the box back up. And this is while he's in his, like, dress clothes, right? And then he finally sees us. And he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Um... And I remember being just so struck by that because it was so different than what I had expected um, when I looked at my dad. It was, it was so much different than what I had expected. Um, but I knew it was better somehow. Um, because I remember all the little kids were like, hey, where's his throne? Hey, whatever. Like, like this, this is lame. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's picking up trash. Like, what's going on? Um, and I remember looking at my friends and saying something to the effect of, like, I don't think we're seeing the same thing. <laughs> Like, I think you missed something. Um, then the rest of the field trip, I walked around. My dad kind of showed us around. And then my dad, like, took the group ahead of us. And I just kind of got to the back of the group. And I was just kind of, like, looking around, head in the clouds. And then I just had every, like, like I had, like, a, a bag boy just run up to me. He's like, hey, you must be his son. You look just like him. And I was like, yeah, that's my dad up there. And he just said, I just want you to know your dad gave me my first job I ever had. You know? And it was like, I needed this money. And like, I just want to tell you that your dad is the best boss I've ever had. And he's like, anyway, bye. He takes off. We keep walking. This other woman just runs up to me. And she's like, oh, you're his son, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. That's my dad up there. He's just like, your dad's the best boss I've ever had. <laughs> I needed time off, and he gave me time off, even though he already gave me time off because I needed to be with my family for something. Like, I've never seen a boss that did something like that. And I was just like, okay. And then she just disappeared. And all day that kept happening. <laughs> they just kept coming up to me. You're his son, aren't you? <laughs> you look just like him. And they told me all of these stories about how my dad was just the best boss, you know? And I loved it because my dad wasn't in earshot. I loved it because my dad probably didn't even see them come up to me. They just said, we know you're with him. We know you're his son, and we want you to hear how great your dad is. 
And I remember being like six or seven, and I remember like thinking like, this means something more than how I'm understanding it. But I remember being hit by that, and I remember being deeply affected by that. Because I remember thinking like, this isn't how it always is. And I remember thinking, this is different than I had expected, but it's better than I had expected. It would be so many years before I realized what leadership looked like. It'd be so many years before I realized that it's not just about what the people above you say about you. It's the people at the bottom of the totem pole, how they see you as leader. And for the bag boys to be like, I'm sorry, I have to leave my post for a second because I need to tell his son just how incredible his dad is. That means something. While my dad wasn't even in earshot, he just said, I want you to know how your dad is a boss. Here. And What's crazy is when I was praying this week, what I realized was that was the first time I really understood what service looked like, you know? What it really meant to serve. It's the dad who is at the top of the totem pole in this little grocery store ecosystem. He's top of the heap, but he's the guy, while he's in all his dressy clothes, that got down on his knee, comforted that woman that dropped everything, and fixed her mistake and then carried the box by himself. And then everyone else that needed his help, he was willing to set it down, help them, like they were the only person in the room, like nothing else. Like, it didn't ma- he didn't say like, hey, I have all this other crap to do. Why are, you, why are you bothering me? He set it down and said, yeah, it's right over here. Don't even worry about it. Picked it up, kept going. It's crazy to me that that kind of service had people where they, people had to know about it. Like those people had to tell me, your dad is something else. You have to hear about what, how your dad is. And I, don't, I, know, I know Pastor Andrew, obviously. I don't know if we have any other parents in here, but I, I guarantee we have a lot of people that are thinking about being parents sometime. And something I'm just going to throw in here for free is this idea that before, before your future children can know who Jesus is, before they can know who God is and what that means, like as parents, you are their first, you are their first exposure to that. You are the first person that can show them love. You're the first person that teaches them. You're the first person that this is what a father looks like. And all I know is before I understood things about Jesus, I had people like my dad that I looked directly at. And I said, you're basically God to me right now. (laughs) Because I didn't understand anything else yet. And I got to see my dad, and he was the guy that served like that. (laughs) And he was the boss. And I remember in one second, my image, I was seven years old, but I remember that was the second that, what does it mean to be charged? What does it mean to be the top of the heap? What does it mean to be the boss? And it was seven when I realized that does not mean I'm sitting on a throne somewhere letting other people kiss my rings. That's when I realized that. To be the biggest leader in town means to be the biggest servant in town. I was seven when I saw that. Some of us go our whole lives without seeing that. But I really think that that is just the heart of service, and that's the heart of Jesus. <laughs> so I want to jump into our first main text tonight, which is out of John 13, 1 through 17. So Lord have mercy, I'm just going to read all of this. All right, it, was, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Jesus said, (laughs) oh, sorry, my bad, where are we? (laughs) Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I just want to set the stage a little bit. (laughs) Jesus has been walking around with his disciples a couple years by this point. They're about to have one of their last, I think their last meal together right here. And in this culture, (laughs) there there aren't cars. (laughs) Yeah, there are kind of some camels, but the main way people get around is walking. You know, the main footwear is sandals. That means you're walking a lot in close to bare feet. That means feet get really gross. <laughs> you're in a culture that has a lot of dirt and sand everywhere. And there are a lot of camels, which means a lot of emissions. Hey, That means your feet get really, really dirty. <laughs> it is disgusting. <laughs> It was the role of one of the household servants to wash the feet. It was considered one of the lowliest, most thankless, most kind of like, like most menial jobs around. <laughs> like the lowest of the low in the household servants washed feet. That's why that thing means more. That's why it means so much when Jesus says he takes off his outer garment. He gets to the most low place possible, doing the lowest job possible, and he washes everyone. And then he looks up and he says, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right. So let this mean something. (laughs) Because that is what I am. I am your Lord, I am your teacher. That means you follow after me. (laughs) So watch what I do and follow after me. It's so simple. And this kind of idea of service, this kind of idea of taking the lowest position and just serving, 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 this is not an isolated incident. (laughs) Everywhere he went, Jesus was hardly left alone without people snagging him and wanting something from him. And there are so many times where he's moved with compassion. He's moved because he sees these people as a sheep without a shepherd. He sees such a great need on this people. So when they say, Jesus, I need you. Son of David, I need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. He's constantly ministering. He's constantly moving around. He tries to find quiet places, and they find him there, and he ends up ministering. He just goes, 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 goes. Everywhere he goes, this lifestyle of service. (laughs) I love one of the questions, too, when people, like a blind guy comes up to him, and Jesus says, what do you want? (laughs) You know? These people come up to him, what do you want? What what can I do for you? What do you want from me? You know? And it seems like a silly question. A blind guy's up. A blind guy comes up to a healer, what do you want from me? Probably the eyes. But... (laughs) But still, I love Jesus' heart that just says, what can I do for you? What do you want from me? Another way to say that is, what can I do? (laughs) 
I'm here to serve. What do you want? I have everything. What do you want? You know? It's not an isolated incident. This was his life. <laughs> and I just love that. <laughs> I love it because Jesus, quite simply, he just he provided an example for us to follow. <laughs> he stepped out of glory into humanity to not only pay the price so that we can be reconciled to him, but to actually serve as a living example to say, with me, you can do this too. <laughs> And not only can you do this, this is how you should do it. If I'm Lord, you do it like this. This is how you follow. He never says, do as I say, not as I do. He says, do exactly as I do. If anything, greater things. (laughs) (laughs) Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Oh, hey, check that out. Jesus, <laughs> who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I love that. I love this translation because it specifically says mindsets. Hey, but I love it because it says, hey, have his mind. Have the way he thinks about it. Have the way that 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 mind inspired these kinds of actions, that he is God himself, but he didn't consider the equality God or the fact that he was God an excuse not to live like a humble servant. (laughs) Because he was God, he is the most entitled. (laughs) He is the highest of high places. He's the most high. He's... He's top of the heap. And I love that Jesus, it says, he did not consider that equality something that was worth not serving, basically. That he took on the form of man and became the most humble, became the greatest servant of all. (laughs) And that was from a place of power. That was from a place of position. That was from top of the heap. He said, like Jesus, as the Lord, as God himself says, I didn't even consider the fact that I was God, that I was chief boss, that I was top of the heap. I didn't consider that something worthwhile. No, I considered service worthwhile. He humbled himself, being obedient to death. The crazy thing, too, is that when Jesus enters the scene, we're still his enemy. (laughs) We're born into sin. Jesus entered the scene in the flesh while we were still enemies with him. Those are the people he served. (laughs) We weren't even his children yet. We weren't even family yet. We were this wicked thing he made. (laughs) It says, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Another way to think about that too is, while we were still enemies, he served us his whole life. Every day. It might be easy sometimes to serve a loved one or someone we kind of like, but to serve your your enemy. (laughs) To serve someone that's the opposite spirit of what you have every day. That was the state that Jesus walked into and said, I will serve you every day of my life. I will do the lowest position, even though I am the greatest. I will do the lowest while I'm your enemy because you need to know my heart. Because I am an example that you need to follow after. This really matters. Because as Christians, (laughs) as followers of Christ, as little Christ, I think is one of the translations of Christian, we need to follow after him. I love that verse, take up your cross and follow. We're meant to follow after exactly how Jesus is. And Jesus lived a life that while we were his enemy, he served us so much being obedient that he served us to the point of death. And I thought about that this week in context of like, oh, my boss is being a so-and-so this week. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) We were his enemy. And he served us faithfully. Thinking, oh, 
This family member's being a real, oh, dang. (laughs) We were his enemy, and this guy was the perfect, untainted, king, all-powerful ruler of the universe. And he said, I didn't even consider that an entitlement for me, even though I could have. I stepped out of glory to serve my enemies. If I follow after him, what am I doing? Where is my heart? Where is our heart? (laughs) His His heart is a heart of service. I want us to think about these things. <laughs> what are we doing? I think it's easy to not to serve as much as we should because we're busy. <laughs> because sometimes people are extremely difficult. In fact, I would say people are the most difficult thing you will ever encounter in life. <laughs> if you don't think so, you have not met enough people. <laughs> but I think another reason why it could be hard is because sometimes it could be a weird pride thing. You know? Because most of us are pretty cool people. You know? Well, I know most of you. I can personally vouch for most of you guys. <laughs> you guys are pretty cool. You know? I think most of us do a pretty good job at this. You know? I don't think any of you here are living the most completely self-centered, selfish life. No, I think some of you are alarmingly selfless. <laughs> alarmingly altruistic, alarmingly giving, alarmingly servant-hearted, which is amazing. But what I'm saying is there's so much more. There's so, so much more. And one of the reasons why we get tripped up like this is because sometimes we'll hit a pride check of like, well, I am such an amazing servant. What the heck? What are you talking about? Um, But we we need to be humble enough to say, even if we're the best servant in this whole room, there's a God who's a way better servant. (laughs) Let's raise the bar higher. You know, and don't even compare. Just think of your own life. We can always go higher with this. There's always more. There's always more people to reach. There's always more depth to how we can serve. There's always more opportunity. And I was thinking, I'm not even sure if I want to go into that or not. I think I'm going to just skip entire points, actually, (laughs) because I don't feel like there's anything on that right now. Um, I want to go back to Jesus. I want to make it really simple tonight. I want to make it just about Jesus all the way through. He's the example we have to follow after. He is our only benchmark. We don't look at our neighbor. He is our only benchmark for what his service look like. It's like, well, that guy serves so much more than me. No, stop. It's Jesus. He is our benchmark. He is our line of how to measure by. You know, and it's not in a condemning way of like, oh, crap, I'm not serving nearly as much as Jesus. No, but he gives us a standard to follow. Okay. He shows us how. We just follow after. And I was thinking about Jesus because here's another thing. Sur- the idea of service gets really twisted in our culture. One of the ways we see it is that the heavy service occupations and jobs are viewed as the lowest, right? Mm-hmm. Think of custodial work. Think of janitors. In our culture, that is one of the lowest of low jobs, Right? But that is a crazy job of service all the time. <laughs> There's not a time when janitorial, custodial work is not a crazy act of service and a really valuable one. He, they, literally, the point of their job is to make everything better for everyone else yeah. at the cost of getting down into the most dirty, nasty, revolting parts of humanity and making it clean for us. Yeah. But our culture puts it and stigmatizes it as that's the lowest. That means you fail. That means all of that, you know? That's what we do to a lot of the most heavy service jobs. You know? But the truth is, it's not like that. <laughs> the truth is that greatness is, is in service. <laughs> you know? We've let our culture warp what it means to be great. 
and what it means to be not great. <laughs> I want to look at Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. It says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be the greatest among you must be your servant. And whenever you would be the first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. This is what I'm talking about. Our culture, our world today has kissed the ring greatness. <laughs> you know? Our culture today has, how do you know you've made it? You have the most personal assistance. You have the biggest office. You have the pe- biggest people that just do everything they can to serve you. And it's wrong. And what do we do? Because we get so twisted up because in our heart something burns that says, I want to be great. I don't want to be average. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to just scrape by. I want to be great. And I think that's a God-given thing in us to want to be great, to want to be the best, to want to just thrive and just do, to go farther than anyone else. I think that's a God-given thing and I think it's a great thing. But what we've done is we've taken that desire to be great and we've let our culture define what that means. It means this kind of salary. It means this kind of house. It means this kind of job. It means this many people under you. It means all these things. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The rulers of this world define greatness as to be served. It will not be so with you. It will not be so with the people that say they follow after me. It will not be that way because that is not my way. And if you're following my way, if you're following the only way, this is not what greatness is. What greatness is, is to be the servant of all, to be the lowest, to serve everyone. You want to be great. I feel like Jesus says, great, I want you to be great. The reason that's in you is because it was in me and I put it in you. You want to be great. I want you to be the greatest you can be. But let me tell you what greatness actually is, not what these rulers say it is, not what our culture say it is, not what everything else has brainwashed us to believe. Let me tell you what greatness is, because I'm the greatest thing in the world, and I bent down to do the lowest job. It's important. Lately, I've been thinking about our motto at Crux. (laughs) The motto essentially is we are here to lead people to new heights through the mobilization of young revivalists. Have you heard us say that before? That's our motto, and I love it, and it's so true, and it's so our heart in this ministry. But I think sometimes we can be too distracted by the flashier parts of what it means to be a revivalist. We can hear the word revivalist, and we can think just about the signs, the wonders, the healings, the miracles. We can think of these incredible worship sets, these incredible, I don't know, like onstage teaching moments. We can think of all the flash, and we can miss some of the really core parts of what it means to really be a revivalist, to really mean to be a follower, to really have it, you know? And it's not that these things are bad, and it's not that those things are not service, because they are, 100%. These people work hard. So, so hard. I'm not taking that away. I want you to hear my heart. But sometimes we look at that part and we forget the heart of it, the heart of service. (laughs) We can so desire the spiritual gifts and the high positions where we are seen and we can neglect the most important part, which is that character, which is that heart of just service. And let me tell you something, character is bigger than, than, well, character is greater than giftedness every time, every time. I don't care if you're move, I don't care if you're raising people from the dead every second of every day if you don't have the character su- to support that I don't want that as much as the character. 
Because what happens when you have so much giftedness and not character? You crumble, you fall, because your foundation is not there. Wow. You are not rooted. You don't know ha- have what you need to sustain healthy Christianity, to sustain healthy leadership. Character is greater than giftedness every time. And again, everything here, all these positions, all of these gifts, all these things, they're great to want. There's a service in them as well, absolutely. But what I don't like to see is I don't like to see when people are like, oh, I want to try out for the worship team, or I want to try out for this team, and there's no openings right now, right? But you want to serve. But you're like, oh, there's not an opening in that team. I guess I'll wait. Oh, really? We really need someone in tech. (laughs) Or we really need someone with teardown. We really need someone to greet. We really need someone to do this. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to wait for the opening over here, you know? Or, oh, no, greeting's not my jam. No, I'm only here to speak, you know? (laughs) Like, no, no, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. We've missed it. (laughs) We've missed it. I want the most worship-hearted people, (laughs) the worship leaders in our church, to be the same people that if there's chairs that need to be moved, they move those chairs. (laughs) I want the most anointed speaker. I mean, we we had David Knox here a couple weeks ago speaking on empowering women, right? I want to just brag on my brother David Knox. He's one of the most servant-hearted men I've ever met in my whole life. You know what? Before he ever had a mic in his hand, you might have seen him grabbing garbage bags, cleaning toilets, running tech, doing greeting, pretty much doing anything that ever needed to be done ever. You know? I wish we all had a heart like that. That heart of service. I wish we didn't close off. Oh, hey, well, my gift is over here. (laughs) We're called to serve. (laughs) The thing is, what I do love about a lot of the worship team, a lot of all this stuff, is that they're the most servant-hearted people I've ever met. You know? But some people that are just looking are window shoppers of it. They can see all the flash and they won't see the service. They won't see the work. And I don't want that. Not for any of us. <laughs> Same thing with these people that roll in this great prophetic gifting. Like our brother John Derone. I'm going to brag on him too. <laughs> he has some awesome gift of prophecy. He has some awesome stuff going for him. He's also one of the most radical servants I've ever seen in my life. That dude will seriously get down to just his wife beater tank top and gym shorts and move whatever needs to be moved. <laughs> He will do whatever needs to get done. Like, he could be speaking in 10 minutes, and he'll still strip down to just serve as best he can. He won't even give it a second thought. He is already moving because there's a need there. And I've never heard him say, well, like, hey, man, like, I'm this, hey, I I have a gift of prophecy. I have all this stuff. No, it's just like, oh, those chairs, why aren't those chairs already done? Hold on. Like, you know, like, he gets them and goes. I love that heart. Giftedness is great, but not if we don't have the heart behind it. And the thing is, we can get so zealous for the gifts, and it's good. It's good that we should want these things. Paul even says that, especially prophecy. But if that is all we're after, and if that is all we're zealous for, if we're only zealous for the position, the renown, all of these things, but we're not zealous to be the most radical servants, then we've missed greatness. (laughs) Then we've missed the heart of Jesus completely. That's important. (laughs) It's important we don't miss that. I'm all over the place, but I'm actually probably going to get ready to end pretty soon. Um, I just want to think about it, you know. I've been thinking about it a lot recently that this life that we're given, we have this one little slice in this whole eternity. We have this one little slice. The Bible says it's just a vapor. It's here one moment. It's gone. We have this one little slice, this one little blip 
on the timeline of eternity, this one little moment, and this is the moment we were given that determines the rest of our eternity. This is the one little moment we get to choose the Lord, to choose service, to choose to honor him, to choose to love him, to choose to do all these things. This is it. This is the life we're given. This is the one right here. And I've been thinking about it, and I've been thinking about the fact that we've been given so much. (laughs) The whole phrase, we've been blessed to give a blessing. (laughs) It's so true. We are blessed to be that blessing everywhere we go. He served us. He gave us everything so that we can be a servant to everyone. He says, that is my heart. That is what I modeled for you. Follow after me. And I've been thinking about all these things we've been given, and I've been thinking about this idea that no matter what we're doing with our lives, no matter what we're doing day to day, every day, we are building a kingdom for someone. We just have to figure out, are we building it to us or to him? Every day we walk this place, every decision we make, are we saying, this is one for Dom? Or this is one for him. (laughs) And what's so cool is that when we build his kingdom, he rewards us anyway. (laughs) I had a pastor once tell me this story, and I want to share it with you before I end, because I really loved it, and it captured this thing really cool. I had an old pastor who, he, he had three kids, right? Two older daughters and a young son, who at the time of this story, he was about five years old, right? The two older girls went away with mom for like a girl's weekend, right? So it was just dad and his boy, right? It was just dad and his little five-year-old, right? He sits down by his son and he says, son, the women are gone. We can do whatever you want. What do you want to do? You can do anything. What do you want to do? And his son looks at him right in his eyes and he says, dad, and without missing a beat, he says, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And his dad says, stop. I said, you can do anything. He says, I know it's Chuck E. Cheese. And the dad says, all right, it's Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) He takes his son to Chuck E. Cheese. He puts, you know, this is the only kid the dad's financing this weekend. He puts like $20, $40 of just tokens. Gives his son this huge cup of tokens. And he says, all right, man, we're here. I'm giving you all of this. What do you want to do? And his son sits there, and his son walks around, And he looks at all the other boys and girls who are playing all of these little games, who are going on all these little rides, and he just sits there, and he watches them. And he looks at all the coins, and he puts his hand in the bucket of coins, and he just looks at all the coins. And finally, his dad just looks at him, and he's just like, what is going on? This guy really wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. What's happening? Especially because when they both walked in, the son saw something on the prize wall and said, I wanted that. He said, okay, the whole day, we're going to focus on getting that. But he had all the tokens, and he was just sitting there. He was just using up all the time they had there. He was just sitting there looking at his tokens. And his dad said, son, what are you doing? We have to get that prize at the wall. <laughs> Don't you want that prize? Why aren't you, what do you want to play? Is there, is there something you want to play? And he says, no, dad, I like these tokens. <laughs> he says, what? He said, the tokens are gold, dad. I want to keep the tokens. And the dad said, son, you really don't understand. What about the prize on the wall? He says, no, but the tokens, they're gold. He says, son, you don't get it. Outside of Chuck E. Cheese, these coins have no value. (laughs) It's not real gold, son. He's like, no, it's gold. Look, it's shiny like gold. He says, son, it's not gold. (laughs) Outside of these walls, these coins mean nothing. All you have is a dented piece of metal with a rat on it. But the son said, no, it's gold. I want this. And the dad kept saying, what about the prize? And he just says, no, I want the coins. 
And the pastor was talking about how often we do that in our life. <laughs> our lives here are so temporary. Our lives here are just a trip to Chuck E. Cheese. God gives us all these tokens. God gives us everything we need so that we use them, so that we use them for others, so that we sow into it to get the prize that's at the end. But so many of us, we just hold on to the things of this life. We hold on to this, this gold that doesn't last. We hold on to all this stuff. We get so focused on the now that we miss out on everything that happens when we leave this place. And we miss the prize. We miss all of it. And we're so stubborn. We're so close-minded. We have that mindset of, it's gold, though. And I have the gold right in my hand right now. And the heart of God says, it's not gold. You're supposed to use that for others. You're supposed to use that to get this prize I have for you and that you can take when you leave this place. And we miss it because we look at this fake gold that does not last. And we miss out on the prize. We miss out on everything. And I want to share that because I feel like that's what God's saying about the heart of service tonight. I feel like it's God just saying, I've given you so much. Even if you feel like you have nothing, you've been given so much. Life is a gift. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. It's a gift. And we don't get gifts just to bury it in the sand. We get a gift to show it off so that other people can say, hey, where'd you get that? We're blessed to be a blessing. There's a real prize in front of us. There's a real kingdom we could be building today. But whose kingdom are we building? Are we building our own that doesn't last? Are we building his? And it's the heart of Jesus that just says, I am the greatest, I am the highest of high, I am top of the heap, I am head honcho, I am anything else that means the number one. And I got down as low as possible and served my whole life. I poured my whole life out for this. We're supposed to follow after him. I'm not looking at humanitarian efforts. I'm not looking at the person right next to me. I'm just looking at Jesus. And he just says, my whole life was service. Where are we serving? We can start in the Lord's house because everything we do to serve, we serve him. Everywhere we serve, we serve it unto him. But we can do it outside of these walls everywhere we go. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic move where we sell everything and live on the street to help the homeless, although that's awesome. And if you're called to that, go after that hard because they need it too. But I really believe that God has strategically placed you where you're at so that you can serve mightily exactly where you're at. At your job site, in your classrooms, in your families, in your relationships. I believe we can serve better than all of them because we are just looking at Jesus on how to serve. And I don't want us to train our eyes and train our minds on these things that don't last. I want us to serve mightily. So that when we do have that moment in the sun, when we can use all these gifts, when we feel like we're top of the heap, we have the most incredible character, the most incredible heart of service. Because here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't just say, oh, I'm this low, like lowly, like shucks. He just says, I am the king of glory, but because of that, I can serve. Yeah. When we're Christians, when we're his sons and daughters, that means we are co-heirs. <laughs> we're princes, we're princesses. We have rulership, <laughs> That's what we're supposed to understand when we serve. It's not that we're nothing. It's that we're highly valued, therefore I can serve. Notice that when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, immediately before he did that, it said he understood that God was with him and that God, it was all for this, that he was given all power. Yeah. 
And that he understood that he was sent from God and going back to God, that he was God, that he was all of it. And from that place of understanding, he said, then he lowered himself, got down, disrobed, and washed those feet. It's not from a place of defeat and weakness and, oh, I'm just this pitiable little thing. I might as well serve while I'm already on the ground. It says, I understand whose I am. I understand the God I follow. I understand that I am a co-heir. I'm a ruler. I have identity. I have authority. And it's from that place that I bend the knee and serve because that's what my Jesus did. I don't want us to think, oh, shucks, I'm already on the ground. Let's just serve while we're down here. I want us to think we are, <laughs> we are great We are children of a king. I want us to have the heart of a king, even as we have the hands of a servant. I want to say that again. I want us to have, I want us to have the heart of a king, a heart of a queen, but the hands of a servant. Can that be our mindset? Because that was his, every day of his life. You know what Jesus is doing right now? The Bible said he's interceding on our behalf. That means right now he is praying for us. He is standing in front of the Father and saying, no, these guys are with me. (laughs) He's still serving us, even in his glory. He's still praying for us. He's still pouring it out for us. If the king of glory can do that, then you better believe I can too. Because I'm his son. I love that my dad was what God used to show me about service. I love that the coworkers looked at me and they said, you're his son, aren't you? You look just like him. You need to hear how your dad does it. Because that informs how I think about leadership. It informs how I think about what it means to be a boss. I'm not a boss of really much of anything right now, but you better believe when that day comes, I'm going to take it like that. Greater leadership, greater position doesn't mean greater things can be done to me. It means I'm a greater servant. It means it requires a greater sacrifice. But there is greater, there is greater glory, greater greatness in that path. I just want us to think about these things because this is his heart. This is his mindset. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ and so much of who Jesus is is wrapped up in service and we need to follow after that. So I want to pray really quick. Dearly Father God, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for each and every person in this room, God. I don't, presume, I don't presume to know their circumstances. I don't presume to know their life, their background, their anything. But you know everything. You know every intimate detail of their lives. You know every dream you've placed in their heart, God. You know everything you've given them. I pray that right now you change mindsets, you change heart postures, that we can be men and women who understand what service is like. It's not just about the act, it's about the heart behind it. It's not about the acts. It's about this is our lifestyle. This is who we are. This was who Jesus is. And as he is, so are we in this world. We're the hope of glory. It breaks my heart, guys, that the religious leaders of the time, the people that should have championed Jesus more than anyone else, the people that should have championed him as this is our king, this is the one, are the ones that killed him because they missed it, because they looked, he looked like nothing they had expected. They said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to reign right here on earth right now. We're looking for a king, not this little carpenter's son that came out of Nazareth. And he missed, they missed it, guys. The religious leaders, that was the church. (laughs) They missed their own Messiah. 
as the church, I don't want us to miss Jesus now. This is so much of his heart. I want us to be great, but I think we don't understand what that looks like. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to get to heaven and be like, I was just trying to be great with what you said. And him to just say, greatness means you were a servant to all. Who are you serving? I don't want us to miss him. I don't want us to miss his heart, guys. So God, I just pray that you just cultivate in us that heart of service, God, that character we need to rule and reign here on this earth, God, to just build your kingdom here, God, because we want to see it. We want to see it so much, God. Just give us ideas even right now of where we can serve this week, who we can pour into, God, how we can do it better, how we can give the extra mile. Not because, hey, my coworker did or didn't do that. No, 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 no. Jesus is showing me how to serve even better here. That's all I'm looking at. It's not about being with our significant other and being like, well, hey, they didn't do that. Hey, 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 I can serve better. I can leave with service. It's not about being with your family. <laughs> oh, well, they didn't give that to me. Blah, blah, blah. No, we can lead with service. I thank you, God, for opportunities. I thank you, God, where we can choose to take the lowest place because we understand we've been lifted up to the highest place with you, Jesus, if we're your sons and daughters. I thank you for it, God. I ask, to just, I ask that you just give us a heart like you have and that you just be with us. I ask that you just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let me just thank God for that. That was such a good word, man. Let's all just stand together. And, and uh, man, I, I just love what this is about, man. This is like such the heart of God. This is such the heart of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if this thing, if this thing catches in our heart and bears fruit, man, we will look like Jesus way more than oh, I could prophesy, I could heal the sick, but like you serve people, man, this thing will leave a lasting impact. And so just one more time, just put your hand on your heart. Father, I thank you. God, for the heart of Jesus, God, in the mind of Jesus, you said, let this mind that was in Christ be also in you. And God, we thank you for that mindset of Jesus to just let it sink deep in our hearts. Let this word bear fruit in our lives, God. And, and God, I thank you. It's, it's not just serving at the church, but God, I thank you in every area of our lives. We can serve somebody. God, we can pay for them. God, we can, whatever it is, there's so many different things. We can help people in all these different ways. So God, I thank you for the mind and the heart of Jesus being developed in us and grace greater ways than ever before. And I just bless everyone in this place. God, I thank you. We all have what it takes to do this thing. And so we just love you and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, it's all good. Thanks, guys, man.